2: Hello and welcome to the 5-Year Plan Podcast. hey! Oui. Oui. Wait, let me do that again. Le Bonjour <laughs> et bienvenue à l'FYP Podcast.
3: Yeah, oui, oui.
2: Hooray! Hooray! and Welcome to... This is a... This is a well, I'm delighted to say this is a new manager special for the FYP Podcast. We've actually appointed a manager, Patrick Vieira, former Arsenal and France legend, is the new Crystal Palace manager on a three-year deal. We will be getting the panel's reaction to that. And later on in the podcast, we're hearing from some New York City FC fans and Julian Laurent uh, talking about uh, Vieira's time in Nice as well. Before we do that, let's introduce this week's panel. Of course, Kevin Day is here. Hello to
4: you. Hello there. I'm slightly distracted. I don't know what it is behind your head in the shed, but it looks like you have a halo. Well some would say well deserved it is um it's my ring light for filming stuff of course well if you need a light for your ring then that's obviously unbelievable that
5: That can't be the product name that cannot be the product name for that the ring light i think i don't yeah i think it is
2: i think it is jack unfortunately (coughs) but i should have thought about that before i said those words in front of kevin (sighs) but that's that is done now um jack pierce hello to you
5: Hello, JD. Good to, good to see you. Uh, breaking from my hibernation, my summer hibernation. So here we go. Let's, let's talk Let's talk. pallets. I think I can remember who plays for us. <laughs>
2: well, there aren't well, many. It's not, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Th-
5: thankfully, there aren't many of them. <laughs> uh, joining us,
2: returning to the podcast after, quite frankly, too long away, it's the one and only Ben Long. Longy, how are you doing? Yeah,
6: I'm good, mate. Good, looking forward to all the good news
2: that's going to be coming out
6: of the club in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, yeah? Mm. That's the sort of positivity
2: that we need on the podcast and why we replace Andy Street now and then, because uh, we <laughs> we need it. Longy, obviously, you run the Palace team for the Remph game, the Robert Eaton Memorial Fun match. We'll be talking about yeah. that later on, because that is coming up in the next couple of weeks, and we're very excited about that. Um, before we do that, can I get a r- r- what's the word looking for? drum roll? Can I get a drum roll for a random patron, please? It's Mr. Paul Knight. Hey, Paul. Hello, Paul. Come on, Paul. Uh, Paul Knight is one of our patrons. What a legend he is. And you can join our patron and get all the rewards like he does, including post match podcasts, which are currently uh, not post match, but they are salesy Rob and Dom reacting to Palace News. There's a Vieira one available right now. Patron only merchandise and access to the patron only WhatsApp club, which has got very busy recently um, <laughs> and is in quite a joyous mood. Uh, patrons also get all patrons get 20% off our merchandise, and anyone can buy our merchandise right now. It's at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. Um, really quick plug. Uh, if. Uh, you would like to come and see some stand-up comedy by me, then I'm doing a show at the Hen and Chickens Theatre in Islington on Thursday the 5th of August at 9pm tickets are available now they're £10 from jimdailycomedy.com forward slash gigs uh, would love to see you there I did the show twice in Brighton and uh, it went okay and people seem to like it we're delighted this week to be sponsored by Eternity Home Finance great to welcome those guys back on board now I don't know if any of you would put your mortgage on Patrick Vieira being a success but if you would like advice on mortgages they are the perfect people to go to Eternity Home Finance they're a Croydon based palace supporting family run mortgage and protection advisors for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios email info at
4: eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP well I presume Patrick could be looking for a little two-bedroom flat in Thornton Heath though (laughs) Eternity Home Finance could be just a solution to his problem
2: Patrick if you're listening we can hook you up (laughs) so let's get Kevin Day's reaction to the news that Patrick Vieira is the new Crystal Palace manager what was your initial reaction
4: I hear your show in Brighton was very good actually Oh, thank you. Yeah. I quite like the new Awake It. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, which is all a means of putting off talking about Patrick Vieira.
2: It sounds like you <laughs> you made it you made it there sound like I was wearing the awake it during the show. Yeah. Just
4: wanted... no, do you no, do you remember we joked, I think I'm not sure if it's the last part of the season or the penultimate mm-hmm. one, but you remember uh, Patrick Vieira was seen in Beak Street like two days after the season finished and everyone jumped to conclusions. If if we'd announced him as our manager then, I probably would have been quite happy. But I have to say, I was slightly underwhelmed. I was slightly underwhelmed because clearly he's not our first choice. I don't believe all these rumours coming out of the club that, in fact, he's the only manager we've been speaking to since May and it had taken that long to negotiate a contract, etc. But uh, a friend of the pods, Mark Agis, did some really deep research into his time at Nice, especially. And actually... His record there was pretty impressive, and and thinking about it over the last couple of days, I'm actually I'm actually all right. I'm quite happy. Not that it's that important. I'm actually I'm actually beginning to think it's a, a an appointment that fits with us basically, uh, and and I think it, at the very least his record as a player will impress the few players that we currently have in training. And his record as a manager, it actually bears scrutiny. I mean, it didn't end particularly well, but three of the five games he lost were against really good opposition in Europe, I believe. And also at one stage, when he was in charge of Man United, Man City's development squad, people were talking about him being uh, groomed or prepared to be City's manager within the next five or six years. So I, I think clearly there is some merit in it. I, I just wish that it, he was our first choice and that we'd appointed him six weeks ago and that he'd spent that time recruiting players because, you know, he's a, he's up against it in time wise, but I'm, I'm, I'm all right with it. Actually, I would, I'm, I'm better than I thought I would be mainly due in part to Mark's really good research. So I think, it, I actually think it's a very interesting appointment and actually it's quite, a, quite an exciting one. It's great. It's really definitely growing on me. I have to say,
2: I do, I, I do think we need to allow ourselves right now in this moment to be excited by it because there will be bumps along the way, I'm sure, and the season starts with a few weeks. But I think if, if if we can allow ourselves to be excited, now is the time to yeah. do it. Although, obviously, there is trepidation. We will hear later on detailed um, analysis of what happened with him in Nice and in New York as well. But, Jack, um, <laughs> I believe you've done your own research, actually, into <laughs> uh, into your your thoughts on Vera.
5: Yes, I, I like to self-reflect, and I recall that... Um, on on this very prestigious podcast, we actually talked about Vieira as a possible uh, contender for the manager's job back in April after David Ornstein put in an athletic article that he was under consideration. And uh, just three snippets of my expertise uh, to share with uh, the Banfield listener. Uh, I would be, quote, thoroughly underwhelmed if he was appointed. I considered it highly unlikely he would be high up the list. And I would be... Surprised if he made the final shortlist. So just to let your listeners know about the quality of content and the quality of contribution that I provide, there, there you go, guys. That, that, that's what I was saying in April. I, yes, yeah, this is, that's,
2: that's why this is the free podcast, not the Patreon. Yeah, I
5: was going to say, yeah, you, you don't put me on the Patreon, mate. That, that is, <laughs> I, I, you can't charge for that. Um, but I, I'm with Kevin in that um, I am somewhat uh, concerned how long it took if this appointment had been announced on the 1st of June rather than the first week of July, I think it would have been probably better for all concerned. However, you know, we don't need to go over what's happened with Nuno and Valve. You know, that's all long gone. But actually, it could be a very good appointment. There is obviously the risk it could be a very bad one. But you've got to look at the positives. He did have a uh, a very good grounding in coaching and management in the City group, um, his time at New York City wasn't great, but you could argue that might be do, to do with more the infancy of the franchise rather than the quality of the coach. Um, he was dealing with a bit of a transition in terms of the players. They had the likes of Lampard, Pirlo and, and Villa. He was managing the transition out of them, out of the club and, and using a more um, kind of US naturalised base of players. So, you know, you could say that that was a reason. But his time at Nice, genuinely, I, I had... I back in April's pod, I said he did well to keep them up, but I, I, I really undersold that because he actually led them in his the two full yeah. seasons to seventh in, in Ligue 1, um, which is a, it's a fairly decent return. They are a well-funded club um, and the, the, the squad that he did have there was, was good, but that's not to sniff at a, a seventh-place finish in one of Europe's better leagues. Um, and his win rate um, in his time at Nice was 39%, whereas Roy's win rate during his four years at Palace was 33%. So if he was to able to to be able to transfer a 39% win rate to his time at Palace, we will maintain Premier League survival. And ultimately, that is still the first aim. I'm not saying it's the only aim, but that's the first aim um, for the club. So I'm, I'm relatively optimistic. For me, that appointment is now done. The, now, the, the focus now needs to really be put on, on Dougie and what he can do in terms of supplementing the squad that Vieira has to choose from. And, and, and that really is a hell of a job um and I'm sure we'll get on that later but I'm I'm relatively optimistic and far more optimistic than the jack pierce of the 21st of April if the listener wants to go back he, and he, revel in my awful prediction
4: he was a kid that jack pierce was a kid he's, <laughs> he's grown, grown so he's much. grown since then he's become a man since then that's
5: <laughs> enough about my eating habits during lockdown but uh, yeah
2: um, Longy, what was your reaction then? Because you said you sent the start of the pod, you're feeling quite positive. Were you were you positive when he was announced, or did you have any sort of apprehension?
6: Um, obviously, it's been a long what, five weeks or six weeks since the season ended, and we've literally been gripped to the palace roller coaster of this manager, that manager, manager bingo, this person turning us down, that person turned us down. And when it comes, to, I was so fed up with it. I was I was I was done with it. I was like, this, this is pathetic now. I'm ready for whoever gets the job um, as long as it wasn't Steve Cooper um, <laughs> um, but yeah when Vieira the, the, the story broke about Vieira and I think I was one of the only people or one of the only group of my group that was like oh, Vieira everyone else was like oh Vieira <laughs> and I was genuinely excited like I'm a 40 year old Patrick Vieira is one of the greatest players to play in the Premier League ever like yeah. unbelievable and people we're talking up Lampard as like what he's done in the game to be a good candidate, but for me, Vieira, he's a he's a born leader. He's a born winner. He's gone away. He's he's learned his trade in Citigroup, like Jack said. Um, so he's been surrounded by some really good youngsters, and he's he done really well with the Man City youth team. He's gone away, and he's gone to MLS. So he's gone away, and he's learned MLS and seen the trepidations of that. He's gone to Nice, and Really, he was in a difficult position at Nice with the stuff that was going on behind the scene. Yeah. And like Jack said, he's managed to get a couple of seventh place finishes there. So this guy's gone out, he's he's cut his teeth already, and he's if there's any mistakes that to be made, hopefully he's made them in them first two jobs, and he's gonna come into Palace, where he clearly sees it as a really exciting project, and it, it really is, and it is the time now with the number of players out of contract leaving and the exciting one um, academy that we've got in place now. This is this is like perfect timing for me. And a young, hungry manager like Patrick Vieira, I think is a is a great leader to take us forward in the next couple of seasons. So I, I was I was really excited, really really excited. And every day has gone on since. I'm getting more excited. And like today, I think we're linked with a, a young lad, Morgan Rogers from Man City. Yeah, them sort of players like they're the players we're going to hopefully be come, like trying to sign, and your Conor Gallagher's and people I like and a couple of young young loans maybe from some Premier League clubs and before we know it start of the season I'm confident we'll have a good squad in place and they'll all be young and hungry and it's going to be well it's going to be great to be back there as well Jim that's a massive yeah. thing for me like being able to be back it's all tied in fans back new manager young hungry manager
4: I, I am really excited Jim really excited You'd have to. That's a good point from Ben because you'd have to hope with his links at City and Arsenal that we would get first dibs, or you know, maybe if someone like Eddie Nketiah is looking to be moved on, that they would sell him to someone they trust and know rather than a stranger. But the Steve Cooper one's interesting because people say, oh, "Well, we remember Frank de Boer?" But this is very different because Frank de Boer had no no Premier League experience whatever. And and no one's got more Premier League experience than Patrick Vieira. And he captained one of the best French teams that the international football has seen. And I think if, if Steve Cooper had turned up, I think a lot of the players, the young players especially, would be going, who is this bloke? Right, and not looking him directly in the face, obviously because he's not a looker. But you know what I mean. Come on but, now, come but, on now. But but, but Vieira, but Viera turns up, and yeah, especially the young black players as well. And he's gorgeous. But he is and gorgeous. Exactly. But, yeah, he's but you know, our, our young black players are begun. This, this is the fucking Patrick Vieira coming in. Yep. Here, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's going to be a big, a, a, a big, yeah, you know, a lot of our. Yeah, you know, a lot of our players, the young black South London lads, they're going to be really excited. That Patrick Vieira is there, and, and one of the things somebody sent me a video last week of Patrick Vieira in a, in a press conference, and that's one of the reasons he's went up further in my estimation. This press conference was from his time when Balotelli was playing up, when Balotelli was late back for preseason training, was overweight, and was was just being a bit of a dick all round. And Patrick Vieira was asked by this this guy, obviously in, in French, uh, there were subtitles. Uh, basically, said what well, you know, how would you deal with him? And he said, Patrick Vieira, said I wish I was still a player. As I was still a player, I would have just t- taken my jacket off, shut the door, and we would have sorted it out. It's so unfortunately, I'm the manager now, so I've got to do it like a proper grown-up. But it's like, that's the sort of thing I want to hear from a manager. Oh, there's proper old-school tear-up management. I like that. So I do... There are all these little things like Ben says are starting to think, yeah, maybe it is the right time. And maybe it's the right club for him as well. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's the right fit for him. that He's still got a little bit to prove. His, his reputation, the trajectory of his career... Has, has changed somewhat because I think one journalist said you know, two years ago if he'd suggested to Vieira that Palace would be his next club he probably would have been quite upset but for him it's a time to build his reputation and and, and if you look at it objectively his his reputation is just as good as Lampard's really I mean, Lampard didn't do anything with Derby a Derby team of good players and he didn't excel with a Chelsea team with with excellent players. So, you know, he, his record is every bit as good as some of the managers that we were looking at and getting excited about. And with hindsight, I don't think Nuno is the right person for us as a as a team or a club, to be perfectly honest. Favre, you know, for all that we know is technically a good coach, was essentially a younger Roy Hodgson and Vieira just seems to fit Palace as a working class South London club. And, and I I'm, I'm admit that I was initially underwhelmed the same time as Jack was back in April. I wasn't particularly happy about it at all, but the more I think about it, the more I like it. I do think as well that point you made there, Kevin,
2: about, well, he's Palace's first black manager. Mm. And I think that is something worth acknowledging. Massive. You know, it, Massive. Yeah. Especially in Sloven Palace. It's a big statement. It's a really big yeah, statement. It is. And I think that's really, really important. And I think, you know, that's something that we should be really proud of. we yep. know
4: that our club, yeah, and, and that's and important think, to our club. I think it attracts it'll attract players from all over the continent in a way that Steve Cooper wouldn't have done. You know, in a way that maybe Frank Lampard wouldn't have done. But you know, Vieira's playing reputation is global. It's like Ben said, you know, he was captain of an Arsenal team that went a whole season unbeaten. You know, we all know him from going head to, going head, to head with Roy Keane and he captain of that French team. Everyone knows Patrick Vieira. There'd be a lot of people who think, yeah, I really do fancy playing for him. You know, there, there are, there are,
2: there are so many elements to this that you can, that actually can get you very excited that <laughs> he knows the premier league. Cause I have to admit, my first reaction was, Oh, Frank De Boer, Frank De Boer vibes. Yeah, uh, I've, yeah. I've literally written that down on my, on my list. And, there are comparisons, obviously, in terms of played at a similar time, big image, big reputation, all that kind of stuff, you know, not as experienced as other managers at this stage in his career. But there are big differences. He knows the Premier League, as you say, and has been incredibly successful in the Premier League. By all accounts, and you'll hear this later on from Julian Laurence, an incredibly nice guy, a real people person, players manager, which will obviously... When, when Frank left, we knew that wasn't the case in terms of how he dealt with players on the training ground. So I do think there are differences, but did, uh, Longy, did you ever get Frank the ball vibes uh, when, when, when he was announced? No,
6: nah, not at all, mate, not at all. Um, like my best mate and my dad, they're both massive gooners, unfortunately. Um, uh, so I've, I've heard them bang on about Vieira my whole life. Um, and, like everything I hear about Vieira is it, the guy's an he's a lovely guy, lovely guy, approachable guy, grounded fella. Like even though he's won all them things, he is still a real nice, approachable guy and which I think is why he's loved globally. I mean, he embraces his Senegalese heritage. Mm-hmm. So in Africa, he's massive in Africa as well. I, I mean his, his tweet he put out the other day, see how many likes out it 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 was it was mental. And this is the sort of guy we got now, whereas Frank the Poor as good as play player was, unbelievable player, but the guy was an arrogant twat, and it was well known. It was well known. It was well known he was arrogant, and when we've all heard the stories from within the club, what he what he did, subbing himself on in training sessions and, and stuff like that. Like I had, I've heard that banded around loads. Oh, Frank the vibes, and it's more non-Palace people that are saying it. Oh, favourites for relegation now. It, it didn't work with the Boar. but this is opposite ends of the scale to what the ball was. It was like It dragged out a long time. Ultimately this did, but I believe that we've got to the right ending with it. Whereas the boar I think we were excited by the whole, the bore X factor possibly at the yeah. time. Yeah. But this, this time for me, it's, it's totally different Jim. Totally. I'm not getting Frank, the war vibes at all. Um, and you'll see in my prediction, when I say well,
2: I think we're going to finish oh, as well, I'm getting, I'm feeling more positive. This is, uh, this is, this is good, but, but Jack, it, it, good. It, it, you should come on more often. Longer. Can you, can you manage My Sunday team, please, because yeah. uh, you know, some very rousing, rousing speeches. Um, it
4: I, was, is to I was gonna
5: all, ask if he can, I was gonna ask if he can life coach me, I, I, you know, <laughs> this is great.
4: No, it's not, his streety, he needs to life coach. I've tried, I've tried that with street a
2: long time ago, mate. <laughs> um, it is. I want to round off part one in a minute, Jack, but it is, there are lots of positives and it is good to hear long. say that, and there'll be lots of other people and receive more comments and questions later. People are positive. It is still a gamble. It is still, it is still um, a gamble in terms of, I guess, other names that were linked or, or or keeping Roy for another season. Um, So it's not, you know, there are going to be moments where it's going to go wrong. That first run of games is difficult as well. So he's going to need to be given time by the club, obviously, by the fans. And really, you'd imagine that he, the club have sold him uh, an image of the of the project they want to do. Mm. So now the club mm. have to buy into that as well, don't they? Because this doesn't just happen just with Frank. There are a lot of other factors to this.
5: They, they have to commit as they've promised him that they will commit. I mean, unless the wheels really come off in the first 12 to 15 games, he has to be given the benefit of the doubt because of the the sell that the club have given him as well as the sell that he's given the club. Um, so I think, I think there will be that, that, that buy-in from the club, unless the wheels are, you know, have <laughs> sorted off entirely and we're, you know, cut to drift massively at the bottom the league. Because ultimately Paris does still have to have the club's business um, front of mind. It is a risk, but I've always said whoever replaced Roy was going to be a risk yeah. because of the kind of comfort and the, uh, the know-how that Roy brought to the job, so, whoever replaced Roy, there was always going to be, in my mind, an increased risk of relegation the immediate season after Roy left. Mm. That, to me, with Vieira, doesn't seem any bigger a risk than if we'd gone with a Lampard or an Eddie Howe, to be honest. Dyche, maybe, you could say, well, I, I think he'll probably have enough to get us over because of what he's done with over the last few years. But I wouldn't have trusted Lampard any more than i trust Vieira to, to to do what's necessary next season, nor Eddie Howe, um, nor Ishmael, nor Cooper, Um uh, so yeah, I I I think I think the trust will be there in Vieira because I think the conversations will have been positive enough um, to to have faith on both sides. It doesn't it doesn't we could we could still be without a manager this week I think mm. if they hadn't had Vieira and they didn't have the, the the contentment in in Vieira as they as they seem to. Um, just just two very quick points about the De Boer Vieira point of view. If you just compare Vieira starting his career in MLS learning his trade in MLS, looking to you know, go on the upward, whereas De Boer's time in the MLS was after yeah. um, a couple of car crashes at Inter and, and at Palace. Um, and also Vieira's first photograph uh, at uh, Copa's Cope is ready to go, stopwatch in hand, uh, training kit on uh, De Boer's uh, first photo shoot at Palace were wearing chinos that are probably worth mm. more than my car um, and a designer jacket that, uh, you know, you can only dream of. So I get the sense that Vieira is ready to go. He's ready to to do what's necessary, and he's not afraid of what the challenge is. I'm sure Vieira very much knows that this is not the easy job um, that you know, he might otherwise have had in, in other leagues across the continent, and he knows that there is work to be done. Um, and it's just very reassuring to see watches still being used in this yeah. very digital, technical age that we live in.
4: But also, I think it's important because from from what I've learned about uh, Vieira's style of football, it's it's not so different that it's going to take two seasons to impose that on the way we already play. He likes to build from. He likes to get the ball forward fairly quickly. He likes to build on solid defence. He will switch occasionally play a five. So it's not it's not like we're suddenly being expected to turn. Relatively mundane Premier League players into into geniuses, but and I think the the point Jack made about the image of De Boer is a really interesting one because and that's why I think it's different very much. So you remember when De Boer was announced, the whole narrative was Fuck me. We've got Frank De Boer. That was the whole <laughs> yeah. narrative of the way the club announced it. Whereas whereas with this one, it's all about and both both Vieira and the club are talking about the project. They're talking about mm. the academy. And that must have been part of the deal because Vieira must have been said to Steve Parrish, "Look, you sacked Frank De Boer after five games. I'm, I'm not coming to a club where that's yeah. a possibility." So, and that's why I think they're, they're using this language. They're, they're deliberately using language that talks about the long term and talks about Vieira getting in, in, involved with every aspect of the club because they certainly weren't talking about De Boer being involved in the academy and developing young kids. They were like they were so impressed with the fact that we've got this big name that that was enough really and and neither neither de or palace i think did due diligence about each other before that appointment and it strikes me that that clearly has been done because it was it's probably seven or eight days between the first rumor of Vieira coming to us this time and the actual announcement so clearly something was going on in that time it was you know and clearly things were being sorted out and clearly, you know, Freeman was obviously involved in the negotiations as well because Vieira's talked about him. So it's it's interesting. It seems like a longer term project than the Boer was ever meant to be in anyway in the first place. To be honest, yeah, and you
2: could. Y- having, having been through that with Frank and made that quick decision that obviously would have come up in conversation. You'd imagine during interviews and whatever. So he would have been aware of how cutthroat Steve had been at that point. And he would be aware of how much due diligence needed to be made on this manager because it wasn't on the previous one. Or we we don't know that for a fact, but obviously things went so badly. Um, I think we're going to round off part one there. I've got some sort of, we'd like to hear a few comments from our listeners, maybe rather than questions, just round off, uh, just to kind of show the range of, um, opinion pc wise and neil price have both said avant new Tourne le coin anyone know what that means in french
4: not the way you pronounce it no
5: <laughs> no
2: you butchered that i have, yeah. I have, have, we, have we have
4: we have we something or have you yeah have you
2: say, le, and then c-o-i-n Quan. i don't know that means so have we turned a corner have we turned a corner yeah. very good oh, and nice. then this one's a bit easier i matthews has put typique de palace
4: Typical Palace,
2: yes, very yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> your Ata, should we all learn French? Uh, I probably do. No. Probably. Uh, and then just to give you a bit of, uh, I'll save this question for part, later. William Fortune says, why do I see him being sacked by February? Whereas Roddy got flushed away. Great name. I said, not a question, but a different opinion. I actually feel optimistic about this. And Michael D Middleton good. said, I am warming disappointment. Got some serious qualifications to be fair. So opinion is split, Yeah. Um, but time will tell uh what happens anyway let's move on to part two uh where we've got some inside knowledge from Viera's time uh, in the mls and in france
0: my brother-in-law died suddenly and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home that's why i told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer
2: Welcome back to part two of the Five-Year Plan podcast. Hey. hey! Sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance. For a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Now, lads, we've spoken about our opinion on Patrick Vieira, but it's time to hear some expert insight now. So we have got John and Youssef from the NYCFC Forever podcast, uh, two lads from New York that I chatted to yesterday. Very nice guys indeed. And they've got some very strong opinions on Patrick Vieira. And after him, you'll hear from renowned French football correspondent, Julien Laurens, no less, um, who talks to me about his time um, at Nice as well. So let's crack on with that. Right. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by two gentlemen from the NYC FC Forever podcast. We've got Yousef Rickart and John Sanchez. Guys, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast.
8: Yep. What's Europe? up, man? How you doing?
2: Really good. I'm delighted that you guys are joining me. Thank you so so uh, much. I really really appreciate it. I know it's early doors for you guys over there, but we've we've made it work time wise, and it's uh, wonderful. John, you got a great setup there with your shirts in the background, looking very professional. Better yeah, these are background.
8: <laughs> these are all like uh, team uh, signed player jerseys from throughout the years. Fantastic. Oh, so, yeah, and I, I have my best. I was, I got a bunch of players, um, some big players, former captains. I have a Pirlo uh, 2015 Euro qualifier Jersey. Wow. The last time he played for the national team, I have his Jersey signed and, uh, I have a bunch of jerseys there. Yeah. It's very impressive. I'm very, very impressed. I'm gonna try. I, this is a new
2: cabin for us. I'm gonna try and do the same. But uh, yeah, you have set the standard very high. Uh-huh. Um, speaking of setting the standard high, we hope, Yousef, that uh, Patrick Vieira, freshly appointed as Palace manager this week, officially, yeah, we officially. It's yes, it's been a crazy <laughs> ride. That um, Youssef, let let me know what were your thoughts when he became uh, New York
9: City manager back in, I guess, the end of 2015, start of 20. Yeah, it's, it's right. It was right at the end. Of our first season, our inaugural season, our first manager was not, they didn't take us to where we wanted to or, and it just, it wasn't not working out. It was, you know, he was, a, he was good for the league when he was with Real Salt Lake, won the league. It just did not translate well after that. Yeah, so he came on at the end. We were, we were excited because of the name, hmm. Um, the you know, his legacy is everybody knows everything that they need to know about him at this point. But as I would as a coach, he was he was not tested. He coached a little bit uh, in the city group, uh, in the academy. But on the first team basis, he wasn't experienced at all. So at first we were excited and then we started seeing how he progressed after that. And we can get into that later on. But I want to say at first we were excited for the gravitas that came with his name. So that's more or less like the, the initial stuff for me, at least.
2: Yeah, I think to be honest, John, I think that it's probably the same here at Palace. Uh, obviously, he is well known in the Premier League and uh, you know big uh, pedigree in terms of his playing for the national team and for Arsenal. Um, so, was it the same for you? Were you excited when he came along because it's it's a big name in the world in the world of football?
8: Yeah, I was. I was ec- ecstatic. I was compared to what we had, like like you said, the, the coach we had, Jason Kreiss, um his his success didn't translate into our team. And I think he got the short end of the stick. They let him go too early. They didn't let him build. But with Patrick Riera coming in, we felt like it was a direct pipeline to possibly uh young talent coming through the Man City system, players that he 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 knew, which kind of did translate a little bit, and the style of play, because they said he was very um pep oriented in his style of play, which was which did translate onto the field immediately. You know, so um, yeah, it was. It was good times. It was like great. We're going We got a good coach. Unproven, but he's he's gonna build. He's gonna work, and he has something to prove. Also. So, so you said, did that? Did
2: that start then? Did that? That that that's quite good to hear that that uh, a- attacking, attractive football did happen right from the start. I guess he yeah. um, he impressed early on.
9: I wouldn't say exactly immediately from the start. Um, Dave, who's our one of our guys as well, the podcast. He's one of our co-hosts. He's a, he was excited because he's a gooner, but he Patrick can be stubborn with his formation at, at times, and we definitely saw the difference between him and, uh, and Christ, but we saw the potential of that it would end up being from the very beginning for sure, and that is it was what excited me because you saw the link of plays and the triangles that he created from the back all the way to the front. Everybody touched the ball. Some of our, our best goals came from just team play. And he was able to extract a lot of from players that first year we were just saying, oh, these, these guys got to go. And then second year comes around and we're like, hey, you know, this guy's overperforming. So he was able to get that out of the players as well.
8: Yeah, he took a bunch of, uh, I don't want to say bums, but he took a bunch of uh, <laughs> uh, players who, he, who shouldn't be on the field. You would think they shouldn't be on the field and, ter- and turned them into something. And got the best out of them. And that leads to what I was going to say about him as a coach. I think he is a player's coach. The players love him. He loves the players. He's like one of the guys, the players will go to war to, to the front lines of war for him. And, and we have confirmed that literally. He yeah. And, go we, to war. and we actually got a, a um, we had a story that was never told before to, in public from a former player said that after a, a big loss, he went, um, forehead to forehead with the opposing manager in the locker rooms. <gasps> he went into their locker room and and got into a shouting match. They had to the police separate them. This was never ne- never exposed. This was never told. This happened five years ago, and recently they, it was it came out on one of our episodes. So, so that, he he will go to war with for his players. That's really interesting to hear. So because th- he's obviously
2: known. From his playing days, as being a real warrior, a real leader, yeah. someone that would do that. Remember the Roy Keane all the Roy Keane stuff. So, yeah. But yeah. clearly, that translates into his managerial t- technique
8: as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, he's very, um, he's one of the guys, and the and the players love him. And when he left, you could at that point, the players were were sad that he was leaving. They were crying that he was leaving. Like he was one, of, he was their guy. So. That is, yeah, that's really refreshing to know, because the last time we had a manager,
2: I think, that had the same sort of profile was Frank De Boer, which was four, four years ago. Yeah, exactly. And um, but similar, there's a lot of uh, things that are making me remember that, you know, a younger manager at the start of his kind of career, big profile, fantastic player. But it turned out very much that he wasn't one of the guys. And in fact, the players didn't pull for him or play for him. And he actually alienated a lot of them on the training field. So you said, it's sounding like it's, mm. it's, it's kind of the opposite of that, that this is someone that younger players, hopefully potentially older players as well. will will play for because of not just his stature as a player when he was, but it sounds like his mentality and his personality is someone you want to get behind as well.
9: Yeah. Interesting that you say Frank DeBoer was the last person you guys had like that because when he came to Atlanta, it was a complete opposite. It was complete players, opposite. Yeah. Players, players did not want to play for him. He the, the players got him team. fired basically. Yeah. Really? Players, yeah, yeah. He destroyed that team. And then now he just got fired from the Netherlands job, yeah. so uh kind of makes sense. But uh, yeah, for, for him, for Patrick, it's... And you see it also, you know, his... And you have sort of uh, players now that were coached under him, because um, Jack out of from Leeds, well, he's now fully in Leeds. Yeah. When he was here... Jack Harrison. He was, yeah, Jack yeah. Harrison. He... Patrick kind of took him under his wing a little bit. So, you know, he's an Englishman that came in and was struggling at first because he had an injury. and But he, one of those players that just flourished, just flourished under Patrick. And you saw a lot of like our younger guys. But with the older players, they can feed off his leadership. And he sets the standard for the leadership of the club. And it's just the the culture around the club he creates. Whoever is that leader on the player side needs to buy in. Once they buy in, they it just that can lead to even better uh results or just a better camaraderie among the team. I know with you guys, it's always been like last couple of years, the news have been if Zaha's leaving or not. Um, but with him now, he, you know, you, you can probably see Patrick as you know, you, you play for the club that I grew up supporting, I respect you now as a player, but as a manager, be my manager as well. So, um,
2: yeah, and he has, I mean, he had some big. Because Pirlo was there at the time, wasn't he? David Villa as well, I believe. Yeah, Frank Lampard and also. Frank, and Frank. Lampard, yeah. So some yeah. Yeah. big ego egos there to deal with.
8: Yeah. yeah. But his, e- his last year, there was less of those egos, those names. And he had to deal with a lot more of a transition in the team and player-wise. And he was able to, to like when he left mid-season, we were at our best. We were first in the league. We were at the, the top of the table. We were the best team by far. Levels ahead of every the next team on the table, mm-hmm. the way he he was able to change our our scheme, and I and I believe to this day it's been three years since he's left or two years, three years that he the style of play has stayed. We've continued his style of play with all the with the coaches after him. So yeah, it's a bit difficult to kick that
9: that that yeah identity for the team. You know, pundits were always saying we may not we may not be the best team maybe that day, but that we're the the best team to look. To look at where the best but our styles just so effortlessly and uh I don't want to say where the we were like Pep City at that time, but you saw the hints and we were just playing beautiful football at that point it was we were we were not running away with with wins, but man they were nice to watch.
2: Well, that's interesting because Palace are at a point now where they are looking, I think, to build a new identity. They're looking to move on from, from Hodgson, who was fantastic for us, but they are looking to, to be more ambitious and build something. So, John, what does that identity look like in terms of the the, the
8: football and, and the system?
2: Is it a is 4-3-3 that he, that he sort of liked yeah. to play?
8: Yeah. He he was definitely a play at the back. He was definitely... Uh, we, had, we wound up getting a goalkeeper um from within from within the league who wasn't known for playing with the ball at his feet and patrick made this guy top five goalkeepers in the in the league he's now on the national team for the for the gold cup coming up strong johnson and he likes his goalkeepers playing with the ball at at their feet the one thing that's that plagued him his whole tenure here with us and possibly through nice is that no matter what happens if we're losing or tied or winning, the formation doesn't change. There's there's no in-game adjustment, right? On tac- yeah. on, on the tactics, Good. we were losing seven zero against our bitter so. rivals, the Rebels, and he didn't change the, the formation at all throughout the whole game. Mm-mm. Wow, okay. we, we didn't, he, didn't, he he stuck to it to the we end. Become and defensive. We just yeah. we just it was just throw the everything at the kitchen sink. Yeah, I'll it. Just... it, w- it w- that was one of the things that played him throughout his whole tenure here that no matter what the the score line, the score is, he's not going to change his tactics. He's going to go in there, live and die by his game plan, no matter what, no matter what it is. And, um, from what I hear that he was a type of coach, uh, similar to pep, I guess he got that from, cause he was with man city for, for many years in their academy system, uh, coaching up their U 19s. I think I believe at the end that, um, no matter what the other team is, is, is their game plan, they're gonna come in with the same game plan always. They're gonna go in with their game, they're not gonna to adjust to the other team. And which I think that's what that's what plagued him a little bit towards us with us, yeah. and maybe it did also with Nice, because he had a b- bad run towards the end, and Nice, where, which led, led him to get fired. Yeah, so he's, that, that
2: that's that city self-belief, isn't it? That Pepper yeah. definitely brought yep. into that into that club and that identity that very much like what we do is is the right thing. What what was he like with the fans, Yusuf? I mean, was he someone that was receptive to them? Uh and what was he like in sort of press conferences and stuff?
8: I'm gonna let Yusuf yeah. go. Yusuf go. I have <laughs> I have stories for days with him <laughs> on a personal level. I have stories for days. All right, so uh I've ran into him twice
9: uh in person. One was at a bar during a supporters sort of meet and greet. Um, and then once was uh after a match. Um, we were where the players come out and just sort of you can get stuff, signatures and stuff like that. <laughs> that was an interesting story because Dave wanted a picture of him. He has a an Arsenal book that he wanted the, him to the sign, Invincibles
8: book. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And and he wanted Vieira to sign it.
9: He wanted Vieira to sign it, and I was talking to actually Jack at the time, and I kind of just forgot that Patrick <laughs> was there. <laughs> uh, and funnily enough, he signed on Thierry Henry's picture. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, but as I, I think as, I think fans respected him again because of who he is and again we were very we were frustrated when he was stubborn but when he got it right it was just, we were playing so, such a i don't want to say i keep going back to beautiful football in our league terms it was very beautiful that we were just sort of we'll take the stubbornness if this if the results are going to come when the results sort of you know we had the seven nil we called the rebel wedding that one was, we were a little hesitant on, like, can this guy keep it going? Or, you know, his stubbornness may cost us a lot down the line. But I think his interactions with fans, at least from what I know, have been positive. And he's, I don't think he's going to be on the, you know, on the pitch giving you fist up, rah-rah, but very soft-spoken and, you know, kind of like how, you know, he gives interviews. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's over, overall it's just been positive with, with him, with. Nobody ever talks really bad about Patrick.
8: I have come on, in, John, come on. I'm, 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 I'm gonna give you two stories. Okay. The first one was after a playoff loss in Atlanta. We were eliminated; our season's over. Um, myself, oh. <laughs> um, okay. I stayed, I stayed uh, with my ex girlfriend at the t- my girlfriend at the time. We stayed at the same hotel the team stayed at. We were able to get rooms at the same hotel. So the next morning, we're checking out. We had a long night because we were out all night, like mourning the loss, basically. And out of the or the, the food area where like, the, the team had set up their own food um, area, uh, Patrick Riera walks by. I've known Patrick Vieira. I've known him throughout the whole tenure, me and him. He knew, we knew, he knew me on a first-name basis. Oh, cool. Yeah, and, and my girlfriend at the time knew her on a first-name basis. We, we, we spoke all the time in, at the stadium or wherever, events, and he came up to us. I wanted no part of them. I saw the team over there on the side. I wanted no part. I was like, we, after bitter loss, the way we lost, Way it was coached. I wanted no part of it. I just want to check out, get on my flight, go home. Yeah. I don't want nothing to do with it. He came up to us, and hugged us, and consoled us. Wow! And, and apologized, and said we'll get him next year. All that the, the positive reinforcement stuff. So that was pretty cool. He didn't have to do that. He wasn't nowhere near. He wasn't near us to have to kind of awkwardly say something. He was far enough away from us that he, if he would have kept going, I wouldn't have felt bad. I wouldn't have noticed that he walked by, but he came up to us. And another story when, when it was the rumors that he was leaving to Nice, it was a lot of rumors. Remember um, before he left, he disappeared for about a week for family matters in France. That was the official, that was the official Mm -hmm. statement. It was family issues or whatever. So when he came back, it was like our our last home game. And it felt like the following week was a, a, a international break. So we kind of knew that if he leaves, this is it. This is it. This is his last game. A lot of fans stayed at, at the stadium and waited for him. I waited for him. He, uh, he um, I think he signed a picture for my ex-girlfriend that she had of him. She wanted that memory, memory of him. And it was very emotional. He was very, like, teary. Wow. Afterwards, we're leaving. We're walking away. He drives by us. Pulls over. Wow. Gets out the car and hugs us and cries in our arms, crying. Oh, wow, wow, I'm crying. Yeah, and it's just like it just showed that he cared about the fans. He would speak to all the fans uh, when, when possible. He always nice, courteous, respectful. And uh, I've had an issue, uh, and I've and I've because I've been known, honest. Yeah, I've been known to be honest with the players and the coaches to their faces through in NYCFC like lore. And there was an issue one time that we went to the training facility. A few fans were invited to the training facility to watch practice. And after the practice, not one player approached us to say hi, hmm. which is kind of rude. you know. Like It's not an everyday thing. Fans are never, never at practices. It's a very rare thing. And Patrick was the only one. So after he said hi to him, I waited to be the last person. I said to him, listen, what's wrong with your team? They think they're stuck up. They think they're too big to say hi to us. Yeah. You know what he did? He invited us to the locker room. Oh wow! To not in the locker room, but right outside the changing area, to the building. We and we weren't. We weren't. That wasn't part of the deal. We were just going to go watch the practice on the field on the side and be on our merry way. And he was like, "No." He told the staff, "Like, take them to the area, and the, all the players are going to say hi to you."
2: Wow, so, that's really that's really cool because that I mean fans do not get invited to training here in the UK. That's not something I don't think. That would happen. It's very, very interesting to see how that's going to translate to fans here in the UK because it does sound like he is someone that uh, cares about that interaction, that relationship. But uh, obviously, it's a very different situation in the Premier League, I guess, to MLS in terms of how the fans and the players interact. But that's very interesting to hear. I don't think he'll be crying into my arms at some point. (laughs) But who knows? (laughs) Who knows? You never know at some point. Um, But that is interesting. I'll I'll, I'll finalize then, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Just by asking whether you think he's going to be a success, really, at at Palace after his stint at uh, New York City. And uh,
9: Nice, Yousef, I'll come to you first. What what are your thoughts? I think he, at this point, knows what first-team football looks like at various levels. MLS, you know, admittedly be the lowest of them, but still competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, league on uh, more competitive but obviously we know how that went I think he knows the English game though more than anything he knows the league knows the fans knows what what kind of football uh, is required to be successful and you know you guys have had relegation battles recently but are still in it and that speaks volumes uh, speaks volumes already that you guys went through that. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to get you maybe top 10, but you're going to be fighting there in that bit table. I want to say if he can get it right. though if your players can buy into his system again, he's it's a system that you need to buy in. If you don't buy in, you're, you're going to fail, but I, I think he'll do well. It might take him a couple seasons just to get his bearings and finalize his style. But I don't see him being a failure, at least not in the English game.
2: Yeah, he'll he'll need to, he, if he's going to need time. He needs to be backed by the club. The Frank de Boer thing obviously ended very quickly, um, and in the Premier League, obviously sometimes time runs out quicker than than you want. But I guess, John, if he is given, he needs recruitment backing. We have a lot of players out of contract at the moment, and we need new faces. But if he is given that kind of backing in time, do you think he could
8: uh, he could crack us into top ten? Maybe. I think he. I think the Palace itself is in a good position to to take a, a step forward. You know, so I think he, like you said, if they buy, if he able to get the players that he wants, the players that interests him, that the style of play that he wants, he likes a lot. Uh, he likes a number six who, who's good at the ball, who, who's a distributor. He took a a scrappy kid. He took a, a an academy kid for us and made him a starter immediately. And that kid's on the national team now. So he he likes certain style, type of players. But I think the biggest thing palace fans should be afraid of is success because if there is success and that arsenal job opens up yeah he left us mid-season mid-season left us if that palace job opens up there's there's a chance that they're going to go after him because at that point he after at that point he already would have experience in the premier league as a manager because he was linked with that job before they got Arteta. Right? Correct, yeah. correct. You know, so it's it's scary. That's I think that that thing is what you have to worry about. If there is success, and Arsenal has that job, what's to stop him? That's his. That's he loves that club. You know. Yeah. So, but I think I think um, I just hope. I, I, I like the guy. I really do. I like the guy. I've always said i wanted to go see him again, wherever he coaches. Maybe this time uh, with, the, with the COVID situation, I could go to England again and, and, see, and see Palace or something, and maybe he'll remember me. As long if he remembers me, it would just be that alone would be great. So. Well, guys, you're always welcome to come to Sellers Park and watch a game and uh, come
2: to the Porson's Arms with us for a drink. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely always welcome. I really, really appreciate your time. Yusef and John, thank you so much. Not a no problem. Thanks for having us. You have been absolute legends. And you've made me feel uh, slightly more, slightly more confident actually about uh, about having Patrick with us. So uh, thank you. I'm going to talk to a niece fan in a bit. So we'll see what happens after <laughs> that. Um, but, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yousef and John from the uh, New York City FC Forever podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, man. Julienne, thank you very much for joining me. How are you? I'm very
3: good. Thank you. My pleasure, man. Happy to help. A top man.
2: So the big news this week, of course, Patrick Vieira is now Crystal Palace manager. What were your initial reactions
3: when you found out that he'd been given the job? I to be to be brutally honest with you, I was um, not worried, but I was like, okay, this is interesting because I think it's a it's a big gamble. It's a big gamble for him uh, yeah. because he, he's always wanted to come to the to the Premier League as a manager. But maybe maybe there was an easier way or there was an easier path maybe towards the Premier League than coming to a club as great as it is for Palace with a huge rebuilding job to do in terms of your first team, but not even just your first team, your 11 players on the pitch, your whole squad pretty much, trying to convince your best player to stay and to to, to buy in the new project and the new idea, and the new philosophy in, in Wilfried Zaha to to come after a manager that maybe was not the most exciting uh, style of football, but certainly was such an established figure, respected everywhere, where you knew what you are going to get, and you were pretty much assured to be between 8 and 12 yeah. every year. So there's still big boots to fill. It's not like you know coming out right from the ball and pretty much anyone, you and I included, could have done a better job anywhere. I mean, the guy, mm-hmm. was terrible. So so that's, that's another thing. So I was like... <laughs> I like, I like the, the courage and um, the fact that he, Patrick was so brave to accept the job, because I think it's, it's a big, big job for all those reasons. But I was also very excited for him, because I, I know how much he wanted to be a, a Premier League manager. And this is a great opportunity for him, because if he does work, and I really hope he does, then then I think that opens up a lot of things within Crystal Palace and for the next few years. But also after that, it would be a great platform for, for something bigger for Patrick. So I can see why he took it. I, I still think it's it's a huge job.
2: Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned Frank De Boer because this appointment is giving me Frank De Boer flashbacks. Not not totally, but there are elements of it, you know, in terms of his image as a player, you know, fantastic player, but new to management maybe. did do you think I'm unfair to make those comparisons, or do you think this will be a different situation?
3: No, I, th- I mean I think you're right. The only thing I would say maybe is that the ball before um, uh, had already had a few. I mean, we, we saw a few signs with Patrick. Uh, let, let's leave MLS a little bit aside because it's a different, it's a different continent, it's a, it's, a, it's a different level as well and stuff. But if you just focus on these. Of course things could have been things could have been better. They always can. But he finished fifth in the first season and then was sucked when I think they were tenth, maybe or eleventh, but they had been seventh already in that season. So if you look at the results, there was some there were some good things. There were some positive there. Certainly in terms of the his persona, the the, the charisma, the um the the sort of the um, His intelligence, but the way he presents, the way he talks, the way he works, he's a really hard-working manager, which I'm not sure was ever the case with Frank De Boer. Um, There's a lot of things that I could tell you that it won't be the same. But again, it's, it's maybe an even more difficult situation than it was for De Boer when he arrived at the club, considering that half of the squad is out of contract. That again, you know, you've got with Zaha, who... I wanted out for a, few, for, for a couple of years now, easily, or certainly certainly last summer. So you would have to convince him to stay and to be on board. So I think it's even a, diff- a, a, a more difficult context than when the bo arrived. But I can, I, I can see why you could think that. I can see why there would be a bit of worries of for Crystal Palace fans that you could be two months in the season in October and already things are not, have not gone well. And then you go, OK, what do we do next?
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, the recruitment you bring up is absolutely spot on and we've been saying it on the podcast for a long time. To be honest, whoever was going to be manager was going to be back needed to be backed in the transfer market. Whether that was even Roy Hodgson for one more year, which I wouldn't have been against personally. We keep hearing and again this is something that we heard with Frank that that Patrick's stature in the game and reputation will help attract players. Do you think that genuinely will be the case?
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I made that point on on Talksport when I also did the interview to present Patrick. It's, there's no doubt. And I don't think, one, he cares that he was not the number one choice. This is what happens with managers. Sometimes you're the number one choice and for some reasons you don't get the job and sometimes you could be fifth in the picking order and for whatever reason you get it and everybody's happy still and then you can still do a good job. He, I think he played on on his name to uh, to also show to the club, to, to Palace, that if you pick me, I've also has. I've got this name that would that would attract or convince players. Oh wow, Pat Rivera, Yeah, I want to work with him. He was a great player when I was growing up. He's one of the legends of the Premier League. He's this, he's that. He's a World Cup champion. He's a World Cup winner. So yeah, I want to I want to go and work there. And I think maybe especially, and you would think that in this rebuilding job for the squad that they will target. Young players, you know, what's the point of going to, to get 28 or 29-year-old players? And in three years' time, you've got exactly the same issue that you have now. Yeah. So you would think that maybe they would go for players between, let's say, 18 and 25 for the sake of it. That bracket is perfect for the Patrick Vieira sort of uh, uh, idol yeah. status figure. And you go like, OK, if you're 22, you certainly grew up watching him. And you go like, oh, yeah, I would love to work with the guy. So th- that definitely played the part in, in Palace appointing him, I think.
2: I think as as well, we're hearing a lot about uh, he the fact he's not bringing a big backroom staff. And I think that may have been a stumbling block with, with Nuno, potentially, when they're having those chats. Do we know much about his backroom staff? Are they people you've worked with before?
3: So that's a good question. I don't know who actually will come from uh, with him from this. Nice, but that was certainly part of, of, again, he was ready. I think he would have come on his own, to be fair. And he might still right. do. But... Um, but the other thing I think that was really interesting is, and that's, that's some, some certainly one of the positives of his time at Nice, is working with young players. Because that has, and again, that links well with the point that we were making before about attracting players yeah. on his name almost, is that he's very good with the young players for improving them, developing them. He's got that respect and the charisma that we mentioned. And I think they really like that and they listen to him. And he... he he might not become Pep Guardiola. I don't know. He's 45 years old. Uh, there's still a long time for him to go. But certainly what he has that maybe others don't have is this ability of working with young players and improving them and and making them part of his project and, and also having results with that. Because Nice, it was a, a very young team, certainly the second season. And even in the first season, but the second season, and they did he did some good things with them. Of course, there would be mistakes and they... It's always like that with young players, but he, he finds something, he found a really good way of working with them to improve them and improve the, the ability of the squad as a whole. And I think, again, that was something that Palace wanted because I would expect to see a lot of the Palace kids from the academy, uh, you know, a bit like Mitchell, for example, more of that next season. And I think for that, Patrick would be perfect.
2: Yeah, that, that's a big part of our identity going forward, especially with the money they spent um, on the academy over the road from the training ground. It's funny you mentioned Pep because he's def- Patrick's definitely sort of schooled in under Guardiola, isn't he? In terms of the Man City connection, do we uh, uh, are we going to be seeing a change in football and style of football? Will it be free flowing passing football? Because that is also something that I think certainly a lot of fans got frustrated with under Hodgson, and it's probably part of the, of the identity of project going forward. So, will we see anything like that?
3: S- that's certainly the idea. Then it might take him a bit of time to implement it. Uh, it might never never really look like Brazil or Man City, you know, or Barcelona of the great years. But certainly he will try. You, if you look at, you, you talked about Pep, I mean, all the inspirations and all the managers that Patrick had. And yet in Italy, he had some really strong tactical uh, managers. Yeah. He also had Arsene Wenger and Pep Guardiola, which, which, who have shaped really not just his mentality and his approach to the game, but also what he wants to do with his team. So they will work a lot with the ball at training, that's for sure. Uh, they would be far less uh, drilled on um, organisation and shape and stuff like that. It would be more on with the ball, with creating spaces, playing in half spaces. All that, all that, kind of, All that kind of stuff is great. And also, please, before I forget... For all the Palace fans, don't just look at him as a pundit on ITV and if he's a bit dull or if he doesn't say anything interesting or super yeah. funny or, you know, I'm not sure he's made to be a pundit. Really, he's far more able as a manager, trust me. So I wouldn't want people to judge him before they see him just on what they saw on, on UK television. That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> because I And I agree, that that was not a great success in my eyes either. And I love the guy and I've known him for 25 years. Man. But... But, but certainly the idea is that. The idea is to, to play football. Um, a lot of it. He, he usually is quite flexible in terms of formation. So don't expect maybe a, a 4-3-3 and he's dogmatic. And he follows it. He's played with a back five and Nice. He played with a back four. He plays with three up front. He played with two up front and some wingers. There's a lot of things that he did albeit because he was still trying to find the right formula, but he shows that he could be quite flexible tactically, which I think is good, especially when you've got young players and a new squad, because the formation and the team that might start uh, the first game in the Premier League might not be the one on game week four, for example, or match day four, because, because he will need a bit of time, I think, to, to get the right formula and the right team. But yeah, that's the idea. Certainly to, to keep the ball on the floor to play with, it, to, with a lot of movement, with a lot of triangles, that kind of stuff. He's, he, that's what he loves, that's what he wants to do. We saw it at times, and, this, and I won't lie, it was not all the time. Mm-hmm. There were some really boring performances, disappointing performances, but you could also see that they, want, they were trying to play in the way they were trying to play. So I would, I would expect him to, to try to do the same at Palace. And
2: what, sort, what personality can we expect? Because like, again, sorry to bring it back to Frank De Boer, but uh, there were, there were rumours at the time that he was rubbing players the wrong way on the training ground. I think he was sort of humiliating some of the players. I'm Frank De Boer, I can do this, you can't do this, or Glenn Hoddle's style. Yeah I, yeah. I get, yeah, I get the impression that, from speaking to a few people, that Patrick Vieira is more compassionate, maybe, sort of player-centric. Is that, is that fair? Is that the sort of personality we will see come out?
3: Yeah, definitely. And, and also, I think he's a great... Man, manager he really is i mean the guy is the sweetest to start with i promise you uh and then like off the field so his door will always be open you can come in um and the press is a bit different i'll, I'll touch up on that a bit later but with the players only and people at the club he's very charming he's always been and that will never change uh in terms of Smiling and saying saying hello to everyone. Everybody's involved. It's not because you're the tea lady that doesn't talk to you or the cleaner. It's, he's got he's got that in him. But again, that charisma, people at the club will see. And I think that that was also a big part of, of why he got the job because he he had that sort of yeah. He he, he looked you know he looks happy. He's always smiling. All all of that is no problem. He's he's very good with. His players, the way he talks to them, there's none of that humiliation. Give me the ball, I will show you how we do it. Maybe because technically he could not do it, I don't know. But certainly I've never heard stories like that. Anis and there's some of the boys that I know really well in that squad and they they would have told me and they never did. What they did say though was that the door was always open, that you could always go and talk to him, that he was also relying a bit on the older players like Dante, for example. Anis, who was really experienced, played for Brazil at one... You know Champions League and stuff like that uh, with Bayern. He and then he that he was his almost his assistant, and I think he's very good at that of giving the more experienced players. Let's say um, Scott Dan, for example, just is the name that came to mind. He will have a big role also in in being there with Patrick, although he's a player, but being very involved. He's got is that's one of the way he works, and and then I think. I think in terms of his relationship with the players, he's, he's been very good at having them on board, that everybody feels committed. It's not always perfect because he had fallen out with with players. I think they all do, managers. But but I think there's something about him, and maybe again, this is the, um, the sort of Arsene Wenger sort of mentality, where as a manager, you should be a psychologist as well, almost. And you should be able, you should be there, available and ready for your players if they need you or if they need some something from you. Uh, you should not be uh, hard to go and talk to or your door is always closed. So I think he very much has that, which is a bit different to Pep. Pep, Pep is a different style of manager, you know, uh, not always the easiest. But I think with Patrick, there's more of a, that, that side of Arsene Wenger in him more than the, the Pep Guardiola side of him. That's that's nice to hear. And, and with the press, then is he a bit different? Yeah, he can get stubborn a lot. He can get he can he can close the shop and and be not as open and as nice. I think he it's not that he struggles with criticism, but I think there certainly in France and with Lequipe newspaper not so much, but the local newspaper in Nice and especially Nice Matin. Um, there was a bit of tensions at times because it's a local newspaper that is very popular in that area to start with. You know, they go to every single game. I would say it's a bit like the Evening Standard, but even more... Uh, exclusive in the sense, like you know, people in that area, this is this is the Bible. Yeah. And I think Patrick struggled a bit when they were criticizing a little bit some of the performances, some of the results. There were times where you know they didn't win a game, four or five games in a row. They got battered. This season, last season in the Europa League, for example, really heavy defeats. And I think the criticism that sometimes he thought was a bit too personal, instead of being just on the football page, I think he struggled a little bit with that. And, and I'm sorry for Patrick, but I don't think the tabloids would be, you know, would be too kind to him either. So maybe that was a good rehearsal for him to have like sometimes a bit of tension with Nice Matin, uh, because I can't see why things would be a bit different here, but maybe this is where he has to improve a little bit that the media are not the enemies that they have to report what they see or or what they've been told. And that if you don't win and don't play well, they're not going to say that you're Pep Guardiola. They're going to say you're struggling. And maybe because he was still a young manager and MLS was so different on that level, they Mm. they could not care about soccer in the papers. He came to France and when, when things got a bit harder, a bit tougher, as we do in France, we got quite critical. And I think he struggled a little bit with that, but that's maybe the learning process, the learning curve. But if he expects anything different in, in England with the tabloids and all of that, I think he would be disappointed. Well, I think he also needs to probably delete his Twitter account, because I can't <laughs> imagine that. Yeah, you're right. That would probably help. And, would... and don't don't look at what people say about him as a pundit on ITV.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. <laughs> I think um, the, uh, although I didn't see him on ITV, I'm sure he was fine. Oh, well, that's okay. Um, um the, the MLS is interesting because I spoke to some uh, New York City fans and they were saying that he would invite fans to training ground and you'd be able to chat to him after it's in the hotel. And, and one guy was saying that after that, when he left, he was, he stopped them by the side of the street and he was crying in his arms. Like he was very emotional, but very connected. But I, as you say, MLS is very different to France, yeah. very different to Spain. It's all a different relationship. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on with that.
3: Yeah, you're right. Because I, you know, in Nice it was a different, different environment. They've got really strong um, ultra mm. in Nice that you don't either mess up with, or, or you could certainly very quickly have a strong, uh, difficult relationship with if if you don't, if the results are not going your way. So maybe it was a little bit uh, wary when you arrived there. As you said, it's a very different mentality, and you know, if you open a training session at Nice, you could easily get. Five, 10,000. I'm not sure in New York how many people would have turned up. Uh, Maybe maybe the training were open. I I don't know that much. But at Palace, if you want to open a training session, you could easily expect thousands of people Mm -hmm. to want to go in. So I don't know exactly how he he would proceed. But certainly, he has that sort of Nice X factor that people will like. Again, he's very charming, he's very intelligent in how he deals with people. He's always that's always been the case. I mean, it's rarely that you're a manager as a football player in a team like Arsenal or even with a French national team at times, and don't have that side of you where you're where you're very intelligent in how you deal with people, whether it's your chairman or whether again it's your tea lady or the cleaner at the club or whatever, and same with a with a very rich. A fan, for example, who contributes a lot to the club and, yeah. you know, to the charity and the club foundation or whatever. And also uh, uh, just a, a normal fan that is just palace through and through. And, and he will know exactly how to talk to people, how to behave, all of that. That is great. I think he would be a great ambassador for the club. I just hope now that that the the transformation or the, the Patrick VR effect will come in very quickly because he needs... Again, I don't think you can have five, six games in the Premier League without a win. I think already that would make yeah. it so hard, especially in such a big transition at the club and for himself as well. So I really hope that things will click pretty quickly with the squad and with the new players. I think they need new players very quickly. Don't give me the like five signing on August the 31st <laughs> because that's not going to help. By then, he might not have won a game and everything will be so more complicated. I think the sooner you can get some of the profiles that he wants and some of the players that he likes or that you have identified before, uh the better it will be. And then and then I, because I really think it could work out really well for everyone here. And and then I think this again he could he could go to bigger things later maybe. But certainly I think he can he can manage this transition for the club really well and for himself as well and show that the fact that he was sacked at Nice was had different reasons to it and not just the fact that he was a bad manager because I don't think he's a bad manager at all but there was a lot of other issues at that club at the time. So I think, yeah, but for that, he needs a really good start. or was a good start in the league, I think.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, our first five, six games are very, very difficult.
3: I know. Uh, I looked yesterday when he was conv- co- uh, confirmed and I sent him a message and I was like, oh, right, good luck for that, man.
2: <laughs> we'll see. Um, just really quickly, with, with the Nice thing, is there anything from his spell at Nice that we should be worried about in terms of
3: what went down? Just don't don't sell the club while he's there. Only <laughs> okay. a year after he arrived, I do think he made mistakes. And again, this was his first experience in Europe. He was he was young. I think he made he made mistakes. He was a bit unlucky with injuries. So only the second season, losing Dante so early in the season messed up a lot of the things that he had planned already. But I also think that the change of ownership and the way Neos arrived at the club, with everything that he meant, bringing old people back who didn't really get on well with Patrick in the first season. It was. I won't go into details because you know, a nice podcast or a nice show. But <laughs> but yeah, I think the the change of ownership and the fact that the new owners brought back this, the old um, directing team, basically, pretty much wow. to make it simple for. Or our listeners didn't help him and I do think that from that day when the ownership changed he knew that more or less his days were counted so it's hard to work with a team when you've got high ambition when you're going to play in the Europa League when you've just finished fifth in the league knowing that the people who are now running the club are not really that keen on you and, I, and it's not me trying to find him excuses because at times the football was dull and he could have done better he had some really good players and, and he could have done better, I think, and maybe not being sacked. but I think he was a bit against it. And I think that has played a big part in, in what, in what cost him his job eventually. So if you don't sell, if you don't change ownership, or certainly if you, you know, if the people who appointed him and were convinced by his project and his ideas and liked him are still there, that should be fine for the rest. I really think that he will work hard with the players. He needs players quick. He needs that squad to be, uh, 80% or 75% ready for as early as possible. Uh, he doesn't expect the club to go and buy 12 players like that tomorrow and they're high-quality players and all of that. But certainly I think the sooner he can get a decent squad, the better. And then he can work, he can work with them. And he will work hard. He is someone who spends a lot of time at the training ground, who works really, really hard because he because you know that's the only way you can achieve success. And he certainly won't, he's a very ambitious guy. Uh, with Palace and then for the rest of his career so you can you can you, you, you won't be able to say oh but the guy was lazy or he didn't work hard enough that's not going to happen but then I, I, I like we said and I know it's a bit of a cliche but it needs to click pretty quickly for him to then have a really good season
2: I think with everyone as well I think everyone in the club needs to buy into this project and buy into this ambition and it, it doesn't sound like there's any play takeover plans I know of so fingers crossed everyone stays um but yeah, you never That's know in really football. Cool. <laughs> um, Jules, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate oh, you. Pleasure, time. man. Anytime. time. Well, there you go. Thank you very much to John and Youssef from the NYCFC Forever podcast and Julian and Laurence there for um their <laughs> thoughts. Um, Kevin, I actually thought that was a bit more more positive actually than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs>
4: Yeah, they clearly like him as well. That's the interesting thing. I mean, notwithstanding what they have to say about his record as a manager, which again, is, is, as you say, is generally positive, he, he comes across as somebody who emotionally commits himself to the club and and to the supporters. He, he of course, he, he understands football. He gets football, and and again, of the of the, this is the third club he's managed. It strikes me that this is probably the one that's closest to his. His background. You know, I mean, this is where South London working class club with all due respect to New York, they're a very new franchise. I mean, that talk about not having a good record in derbies doesn't really matter because th- their derbies are only three years old. They're not proper traditional and the teams are 2000 miles away. It's like, there's, you know, they talk, talk about Palace Brighton being a derby. But, and also Nice, Nice is not a hotbed and never has been a hotbed of football. It's not a club like Marseille with, with thousands of mad, working-class fans it's a team that's always been relatively well financed uh, and quite sedate so it strikes me that he's finally he's coming to a club that's closer to his background than any club he's managed so again I, I'm, I'm starting to be like longy i'm getting even more optimistic the more the more i hear about it the more it seems to me and these could be famous last words that this is we're a good fit
2: yeah i i am actually getting that way as well to be honest and obviously you know Maybe we'll get him on podcast at some point and he can cry in our arms
4: after that. And uh, Wouldn't that be, like, imagine, be lovely? Imagine imagine Vieira crying in Andy Street's arms. <laughs> while Andy looked on bemused, wondering what those little wet drops we were coming out of a man's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we can dream. Um, right,
2: we're going to take a break. Um, in part three, uh, pat- if you're listening on the main feed, you'll get um, a clip from the Patron pod at the weekend with Dom, Selzy and Rob talking about Patrick. Um, in the Patron version, we're going to do a really quick patron-only section.
10: Speak ill of him. I think he's meant to be a, a good guy in, in, a, in football. That's that means quite a lot because football isn't full of good guys. Um, Speaking of a good guy, uh, Adam Sells is joining us. he's back with us. Excellent news. Um, but he's so he's come. He is he is respected, obviously, and his playing career will count for something. It will attract. It will attract players. I know there was a certain cynicism. <laughs> Around that on on social media today, but it, it simply will. There will be players out there, um, young impressionable players potentially as well, who talented youngsters who who will want to join Crystal Palace because Patrick Vieira, you know, the person who they had a poster on their wall of, and their, their dads used to talk about all the time. Um, you know that that will be a, another reason to come to Crystal Palace, and as and whether we are a stepping stone or whatever, it it, it will encourage them to come forward. So. I think there's a a lot of promise in in that regard. I, I don't think we should. I know the the obviously the comparisons with Frank de Boer. I mean they're clear, they're obvious um, in terms of status, etc. But I'm not sure they're helpful. I'm really not sure they're helpful. I, I, it's almost like that. That was almost a different era. Um, that was such a long time ago. Now we've had we've had four years of four seasons of of Roy and and finishing comfortably in mid table now. We're not um we're not the same club that was struggling into relegation and, you know, and just survived with I think on the penultimate afternoon under Sam Allardyce and then got taken over that summer um after a lengthy recruitment process and and some rushed transfers towards the end. This is a complete different scenario. And JD's right, this is the right time um, for a manager like this who will have his own ideas but is willing to work with what the club want to do that's the key to it or he's bought into it he knows he wasn't first choice he knows he wasn't second choice he knows he was way down that list and other people have all been offered the job ahead of him but he still sees Crystal Palace as an opportunity still likes the idea of this horrible word project but the use of that bringing those young kids through signing young players working with them he's got experience of that from his time at Manchester City within the the youth academy, there. He's he's worked with kids before, um, and and brought the best out of them. So th- there's a lot that this that ticks the right boxes, really, for Patrick Vieira to come to the Palace. The unknown is how he will cope with the rigours of the Premier League, and I mean, the, we'll we'll find out in the weeks and months ahead. But I'd argue that other than Nuno and Sean Dyche, if he ever had cropped up, rocked up at that Sellers Park, all all the others would have been unknowns as well. So why not have somebody who buys into everything that the club wants to do mm. and will tackle it with the right gusto and spirit.
3: Adam has joined us. How
10: are you doing, Adam?
11: I'm all right, thank you. Sorry for my late arrival. I've been out mm. and about and uh, football managers galore today and stuff. So it's not been a very peaceful Sunday so far. So, uh, yeah, it's all going oh. on today, kid. Football people don't do Sundays off like normally. <laughs> no, no. this is this is true. How are
6: you? How are you feeling yeah. about the Patrick Vieira appointment? We've talked about um, it with JD and and Dom, so get your views as well.
11: Um, well, initially, I'd have to say to you, I was sort of quite frightened by the level of risk that we're taking. Um. But it seems that he has a quite decent and experienced team around him, and I, I would imagine that's helped tip the balance as well with the hierarchy in hiring him, um, and that should stand us in reasonable stead. Um, I just caught the back end there of Dom talking, and there's no doubt that Patrick Vieira's name and reputation will help us attract some players. Because of who he is um, But You know it's probably going to be one of those Where I think it's Really ultimately very difficult To find the right Person because of the Candidates that were there Aside of Of probably Lucian Farber everybody else Well no even Lucian Farber Has got no proven Premier League track Record although he's got a a proven track record of doing the things. What does Steve Parrish want from a manager? He wants a bloke that's going to keep him in the league guaranteed so he sleeps easy in his his bed at night and doesn't have to worry about relegation. He wants a bloke that's going to play a very attractive style of football and keep all the fans happy and they're going to enjoy the ride. And he wants a manager that's going to integrate all the young players into the that are coming through over the next few years into the first-team squad. Well, whichever way you go, there isn't any of those candidates that are ticking mm. all three boxes. And as Dom said, Sean Dyche is probably ticking box one for him. But even he's been relegated, I think, with Burnley once, has he? Yeah, I think. Um, and But probably not box two or box three particularly. Patrick Vieira might do box two and box three, but will he tick box one, which is the million-dollar question? Valerian Ishmael, two and three, but maybe not one. Steve Cooper, two and three, maybe not one. Lampard, on the face of it, could have probably been the most Sensible choice, but by the time they've gone and and smoothed um, Nuno and then Lucy and Father, and he knows he's way down the list, and the only reason they're coming to him is that the other two have knocked it back, then he's not coming either. So, actually, I don't think they had too many choices, but I'm pretty sure that Patrick Vieira was quite a way down the list when they started, but. You know that doesn't mean to say that it's not going to work out. I think we just have to be open-minded and hope so. I mean, I said to Dom the other day on the phone that you know I, I thought uh, uh, you know whether it, he would be a sort of wily or gnarly enough to to sort of deal with keeping Crystal Palace in the Premier League. That's that's the million-dollar question. But maybe. You know we, we, we don't know until we get there, but I would imagine there's probably a lot of, a lot of uh, people with the mindset, well, let's see how we get on in the first half of the season and if it's a disaster, Sam Allardyce can turn up in December and start sorting it out. you know, but in that respect, I think the more important issue is to make sure that we bring in a dozen decent players that can keep a football club in the Premier League called Crystal Palace, because if they don't do that, it doesn't matter who the coach is going to be or who they bring in to save the day in January if it doesn't work out. He's still going to need the players at his disposal to make it doable, and I suppose that's where I am, really. we, You know, it doesn't matter whether Patrick Vieira. I think he's going to be a success or failure. Ultimately, at this stage, we've got to get him some players to give him a fighting chance. Yeah. On the face of it, it all sounds very strange. And I find it slightly difficult to understand the sense of that you had a manager that guaranteed you survival for four years that you've never backed. And we're now going in with somebody who's untried and we're apparently going to roll out £80 million. So, you know, the the sensible, logical explanation would be to back a bloke who's already going to guarantee you that to get you on. But that doesn't mean Patrick Vieira can't take us further. Let's see. But it will all depend on the playing staff, to be honest, I think.
6: We were going to talk about that, actually, and just kind of discuss the the playing staff side of things do we think that Palace will be announcing contract extensions for players over the next week because that's one of those kind of glaring issues that we were talking about last week you'd think now that a manager's in charge they'd have a have an idea of who they want to keep do you
11: have you heard anything Adam by any chance I don't think Tom might know more because he might have asked more questions than me but I don't think too many of them turned up on Friday at the training ground for testing from what I can gather um, and I'm led to believe that one or two of them are we're still the ones we'd like to keep We're still some distance away from agreeing terms with them I'm assuming that we're reducing their terms and, uh, and they might not be accepting them at this point but it will just depend on What's available elsewhere But you know I think I think, I mean Christian Benteke was a must to keep But as when we talked A couple of weeks ago You know It doesn't send out a great message to the other out of contract Players that the can's been kicked down the road But hang on Christian Benteki, we might lose him So we're, we're going to make an exception And give him a contract regardless So I think I don't know how many of them will return but ultimately I don't think it matters too much because it just depends who you're replacing with and who you bring in but we need a lot of players a lot of players so from where I'm looking we probably need to get on with that and do that quite quickly because at this rate I think we're going to need three players a week for the next month before the season starts so you know that's uh, that's a lot of work to do.
6: That's going to be exciting for us then if we end up doing a podcast every 3 days or so. Oh God. You know, new signing.
0: <laughs> my brother-in-law died suddenly and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer.
2: Right, welcome back to part oh, four of the FYP podcast. Hey. Hey. Sponsored this week by Attorney Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios. Email info at attorneyhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Well, wow, I've just seen the time. Um, right, Longy, the Remp game is here next Friday, 16th of July. This is the 19th year of it or the 19th game, wow. I think. is
6: that right? It's the ni- I think it's the 19th game. Um, obviously, we missed a year. Yeah. Thanks, thanks to COVID. Um, which was a shame, really, because we had a, double, a double-legged a affair lined up. We were going to play at Croydon FC for a, a nice change. We were going to actually not have to travel down there for, 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 for a change, which was good. Um, I think Croydon FC got broken into, and I think the rent come through yeah. massively and, yeah. and donated some money. And so there, yeah. there's a good link there, actually, with, with Croydon. So moving forward, hopefully we can, we can actually get a game there at some time. But, yeah... Um, I can't wait for it mate to be honest um luckily I've been able to play football since the lockdown from a Sunday team and yeah just I, I mean I'm 40 now I am going to be. I was meant to be retiring this year I told my wife I promised my wife I'd retire at 40 but I think I have to carry on for a couple of years um uh, yeah I can't you, wait for you, this, can't mate. Count,
4: you can't count the last two years because
6: we haven't had... yeah that's it exactly that's it.
4: you're 38 in football yeah. years yeah that's it mate I've got two years
6: in the bank still um <laughs> but no I'm, I'm really excited about this next Friday um Unfortunately, we haven't managed to get any ex this time, um, but it's it's a bit different, because we usually do it at the end of the season, there's a lot, a lot more people who've got a bit more time on their hands and stuff, so, but people are, like, hopefully planning on holidays and then pre-seasons are started um, for, for some people who are still playing semi-pro, but yeah, it's um, next Friday, mate, down at Worthing FC, uh, 7.45 kick-off, uh, 5 pounds five pound for adults, 2 pounds under-16 or 3 if they come with an adult and it's cash on the gate, so all money raised on the night will go to the charity um you're you're in my squad hopefully all, all going right
2: yeah i'm one of those i'm one of those he's great having the squad players it's good for morale sort of place
4: to have around yeah it's good um, nice well, to have
2: around yeah it's nice to
4: borrow it's because you've always got a good bag full of products that <laughs> exactly a, <laughs> Mate, practice, this hair doesn't got. stay up when it's <laughs> own. Right?
2: well i think i think actually this would be this would be my 16th or 15th Oh, well wow. which I think is the most of anyone I think that's possibly Oh uh, hundred hundred percent, mate. I mean I've been involved for the last nine years I think, and you've been in you've been in there and yeah. and some so no, it's, um, it's a good, for anyone who doesn't know, anyone who's listening doesn't know what it is. It's the Robert Eaton Memorial Fund, and it's a match. They're a charity and they do various fundraising throughout the year. It's a Brighton based charity set up after Brighton fan, Robert Eaton was killed in 9 11. Um, and they do various fundraising uh, throughout the year, various events, golf days, and all sorts of stuff. And the money goes to help underprivileged kids in New York, where Robert lived, but also in Africa, Sussex, and Croydon as well, as long as he said. But the main centerpiece of their organising is this game between Palace fans and Brighton fans. The, the, started back in 2001, actually, pretty, pretty mm. soon after the fund was set up. Um, and so every year we play this game. And it's been played at the Amex once. It's been played at the Dripping Pan Stadium for quite a few times. It's now down at Worthing's all-weather all pitch. It's a great day. And what it is, Kevin, is it's the best bits of the palace Brighton rivalry that we all know so much yeah. about coming together to actually, what you, to be honest, we are very similar. We're similar clubs. We're similar fans. And actually that's the best thing about it. And it's raising money for great causes.
4: It's really interesting. You say that because, uh, I can't get there, but I know a man who can, and that's Kieran Maguire. Uh, my co-host on the price of football pod is a, a mad Brighton fan. Uh, and we were talking about it just last week, actually, and he was saying how important it is to Brighton fans and that he said it in a way, almost disappointingly, it's, it's not, it's not a tiny bit of the edge off the palace Brighton <laughs> rivalry in, in a, in a, in a tiny, in a tiny way. But he said, he said, it's a really important thing for, for Brighton fans. And it's, it's become, yeah you know, it's become an, an annual event and a very important one. And he's, he's, you know, Brighton fans really appreciate the circumstances in which Palace fans took the game on in the first place, and and like he says, he's like, it, it, it's, there's still a lot of Brighton fans who don't particularly like the Amex because that doesn't reflect on the club's background. You know, for all for all we talk about Brighton, they are you know Goldstone Ground was a terrible shithole, and that was more of a reflection of their fan base. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not it the club itself was in a working class area of. of of, of Brighton so we are similar clubs and it, it, it's really good to hear a Brighton fan say how important that that game is is to their fans as well yeah also it should be noted the game's only been played at the Amex once and we won 3-2 the
2: last minute winner yeah. from Andy Johnson which wouldn't I mean <laughs> was one of the best moments of my life it will never ever ever be better it was so good AJ doing the burger munching celebration
6: it was well, how, about the, how about the half-time team talk from Sean Derry and we're 2 down as well Oh, it's so uh, good. It was I mean oh, should have done, done
2: documentary on that. Amazon should have <laughs> Yeah, that it,
6: was, uh, it um, was good. just just on the charity, mate. What what obviously following that horrible incident with Christian Eriksen, I um one of the lads who plays for us, Tom Tomo, Tom Mellacroft, he he messaged me saying, Oh, do, is there anything that Remp can do with regards like B fibs for local clubs and stuff? So I put it to the lads, uh Brett and Al, um down with the ramp, and basically what they've come back, they've contacted Sussex FA, mm. and they're hopefully going to be donating either the cash for some defibs or buying the defibs for like some local um, youth clubs and and young football clubs who can't afford to get a defib because that Christian Eriksen moment showed how important it is to get access to a defib in them sort of cardiac arrest moments, you know. Yeah. So that I think they're, good, they're going to be a bit of a push there. So any hopefully, well, all the money raised will go into the pot and then that can go towards, obviously, get some defibs. I think they'll look at um, some Croydon clubs as well. Um, they can donate some money for or, or sort of get some defibs.
4: That, well, that's, that's brilliant because the, the Premier League are actually donating defibrillators yeah. to uh, quite a long way down the pyramid, I think down to about the sixth level. But obviously, there are hundreds of clubs below that that need them as well, because it's, it's a particular problem. It's like Gabby Logan's brother who died when he was 15 of, you know, so many of these, these young men are really brilliant athletes because their heart is a tiny bit bigger than, than most other people's. And it's not diagnosed. So there's a number of 15, 16 year olds who are, who are collapsing basically. And, and down at that level, it's more important that, that kids have access to defibrillators than than almost anybody mm. else. So that that's a brilliant thing to, to donate the money towards and well, and that shows the reach of this charity and the things they do mm.
2: and it shows why if you can come to the game and even if you can't if you can make a donation to the to the fund it goes to some seriously worthy causes so please do support however yeah. you can uh, there's you a can, just, there's a just giving page Jim. Um, we'll, we can put that up on the on the socials whatever. Yeah we will do that definitely we'll promote that and uh, but if you can make it down to Worthing FC next Friday please do come down and support the support the game because it will be a lot of fun hopefully we'll win i think I think overall we're, we're seven or eight we're, behind, are not we?
6: Yeah, we are. We are behind, mate. But um, there's this I'm really confident for next Friday. Obviously, as you can see, I'm really confident today about everything. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, re- I'm really confident for next 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 uh, Friday. We've got we're going have a smaller squad this year, um, which is easy, easier to manage. So, but we've got some good quality players, some new signings as well, mate. that haven't played for,
2: for before, so well. They, quite, you know, if if, uh, if we can make some new signings, so can Palace as well. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's the theme of the summer. Anyway, please do come down and support if you can. But if you can't, please do support the Rent Fund, however possible. And it's such a small world. Brett, who you were talking about earlier there, who is a, the chairman, I think, now of the Rent Fund, runs the pub that I did my live show in in Brighton last week wow. Ca Caxton It's a very, very small world, uh, but it is a good one. So uh, please do support where you can. Right, quick break, then some questions.
7: Hey, it's Jesse Kelly, Ronald Reagan famously once said the nine most terrifying words in the English language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help Americans are losing faith in the banking system. And at the same time, the U S government could soon be headed toward a centralized banking system. How scary is that? How do you protect yourself as the government gets more involved in your life? For me, owning gold is one way. Having gold that I can see and touch makes me feel protected. Having a portion of your retirement in precious metals is another way to feel protected. I don't own crypto, I don't own NFTs, and I don't buy meme stocks. I don't invest in things I don't understand. If you are like me and want to feel safe, It's time to call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. Again, that's www.oxfordgoldgroup.com.
2: Welcome back to the final part of this week's five year plan manager special lengthy hey. podcast. Hey. Bumper edition. Very bumper. We'll be pushing on two hours once we get the, uh, the extra bits in there. Um, sponsored, of course, by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Right. Um, we haven't had a question about it, I don't think, but awake it, Jack. I'll come to you. Uh, it's yellow. It's got a red and blue stripe down the side. Um, what are your thoughts?
5: eight out of ten like it solid solid yellow away kit like it like it i mean it, it, it's it's unusual to see a uh a manager at their uh media unveiling holding a the away shirt so i'm presuming the home shirt is something quite special um, <laughs> but i did i did like i did like the look of the away shirt
4: i like the yellow one or it could be truly dreadful, which is why they're not sharing it to us until the <laughs> well, first he game he of the season. <laughs> well, your
5: thoughts? Or the yeah, the, the 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 imagery on it is uh, is actually Eddie Howe's face, didn't on the contract. <laughs> <laughs> They've had to send it back to Super Stitch or someone and ask them it to. It. <laughs> <laughs> Super Stitch,
2: um, Kevin. What are your thoughts then? Because you you were asking questions earlier about yeah. it's all right. I, well. I'm,
4: I'm I'm told by younger people who have. Uh, better short-term memories than I have, that it's very similar to a Barcelona away kit of a, a couple of years back. Oh, yeah. We had the same red, same yellow... One of the UNICEF kits, yellow with the same red and blue. I think, I think that well, itself was a play on a Barcelona kit from 1974 or Was it? Well, no, I like it. I think it's it's nice. It's bright. It's cheerful. It's easy to spot on a foggy day, isn't it? <laughs> very <laughs> okay. true. This
2: is yeah. such a positive episode. Um, <laughs> Longy, your thoughts on the, uh, the yellow kit?
6: Yeah, I really like it, mate. I like the the Eagle watermark in, in the background of the of the actual shirt itself. I like the fact it says Eagles on the on the on the collar at the back. Um and yeah, my first ever away kit for Palace was the yellow one in ninety one. So I'm I'm quite uh, partial to, to a yellow away kit. But Ian Wright but Brazil kit and then he left. Yeah, he said, he said him and Brighty were buzzing with the Brazil kits, and then he's left them <laughs> went to ask
2: It would have, it would have been nice actually if they'd done it with uh, with the uh, light blue Brazil style, oh. because that was a real and the Brazil kit was a real marker of Palace away kits in the nineties. Yeah, and, and and white socks as well, then. and so white that, socks that, exactly. Well, we that, did do a car Carl our uh, social. I did do a mock up actually. It's on our Instagram now. So if I look, it does look it does yeah, look very good. A few people that weren't happy with it. They? No, no one's so ever happy. Don't, that, don't, that, don't let you near designing a kit. <laughs> not after the not after the uh, diagonals. I liked it personally. Um, right, really quick questions. Uh, Miles Loudon. Hello, says, Miles. hello, Miles. I go to Kevin for this one. Is this the progress from Roy you envisioned? envisaged?
4: No, no, not at the time. As as we've established back in April May, it it probably wouldn't have been any of our first choices by the sound of it. But now I feel. Yes, it is. We've got a manager who has as much knowledge of, in, of continental football as Roy did, albeit as a player rather than a, a manager. So, yeah, I, I think this does represent progress. I think it will represent progress for our younger player. I think Patrick Vieira is going to be much more inclined to bring young players through than Roy ever was which is not just a generational thing, but it's just Roy was one of a number of Palace managers who publicly said they didn't really want to play kids in what was essentially a continual relegation battle every season. So I think, I think yeah, we'll represent progress. If we end the season still in the Premier League and we're, we've got Hannan and, and Omalabu playing in the first team, of course that'll be progress. Yeah, I do. Uh,
2: let me come on, because we did touch on that part one. Different question for you, Jack. Uh, Luke Thompson, 2006... I look. That's, Hello, a very, that's, a very, that's a very MSN messenger handle. It um, says, um, do you think it will help with Mateta? Oh, yeah, good.
5: Uh, yes, Mateta, who I definitely hadn't just remembered. <laughs> <what's> his name. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think the signing of Mateta last January was definitely looking ahead to the new manager. I don't think that was Roy's
4: yeah.
5: uh, signing whatsoever. So whether Vieira likes the look of him, I guess, that's up for Jean Philippe to uh, to be showing now. Um, there's no reason why not. Um, you know he has certain attributes that we saw last season that I like the look of. I commented towards the end of the season where I felt he really needs to build was his game fitness. You know he, when he was having 15, 20 minute bursts in the uh, in the league as a sub, he was looking spent very quickly. And I hope that he's learning from someone like Christian Bensecker who clearly looks after himself and and can you know run at uh, a full pace for for a proper seventy five eighty minute run, which is what a Premier League striker needs to do. So, if Mateta can get himself there physically, I think Vieira will look to use him. Um, but it's for it's for Jean Philippe to show because it's at the end of this season, isn't it? Where there's a, a potential yeah. permanent transfer in the offing as well. So, yeah, it's the uh, it's the time for for JPM to show what he can do.
2: Long, are you a Mateta fan?
6: Yeah, definitely. I can see potential there mate. Um, obviously. The, whatever happens, it will always have that double back heel, <laughs> nutmeg, double nutmeg back heel. Yeah. That, that, that will go down in folklore. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, yeah, I mean, I think we've, we all heard the stories about uh, his agent saying that the, the last season was all about bedding him in and getting used to um, life in England and life in the Premier League. So, it, the ball's in his court, mate, totally. Like, it's all about his application now and what and how much he wants to become a, a Premier League player. So, yeah, um, We'll give him all the tools, obviously, and it, but I would make it's down to him. But he's definitely got potential there. Um, his attributes, like Jack said, there's a there's there's a lot of things to like about that. Um, definitely agree with him with the fitness thing, um, but that's all stuff that he personally has to put in to be able to, to get out of that. So, but no, I think as a definitely as a squad player, um, him and Christian, a good a good start. Um, we can definitely do with a, a, an additional striker, I think, into the squad. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited, mate, to see see
2: what JP. Because this season, it's a big, it's a big chance for him, as it is for
4: yeah. Vieira and whoever else comes in, guys. We do have more questions. Can, I ask, can I ask a question, JD? Yep. Uh, I'd, I'd be interested to see what the boys think, having watched the the under twenty three semi final and the final. Which, which, the, if you had to name two players out of that that team, you think Vieira could promote to the first-team squad. Because I'm worried that one of them might be street. I don't want to see a street in his first-team squad. <laughs> well, daily, James Daly came very close. Yeah. But I, I was interested, because there's a couple of players there that you think they are definitely ready. So I'd be interested to see what the boys think. I think definitely, I, yeah, with the amount of business we need to do
6: to get players into the squad, I wouldn't be spending money on a left-back. I think the Reese Hammond was excellent yeah, really good in all the games yeah. I saw. And yeah. I really think, as a as a squad left-back, he, he would be perfect. And also, we've got Gyro who can slot in and do a job there. Jeff yeah. Schluck can play left-back. So, I wouldn't be spending money on left-back. Mm. I'd definitely be promoting that guy into the first-team squad. Um, and possibly, uh, the noises I'm hearing about Raksaki are Wilfred Zaha-level noises. Yeah. Like, the, the club are so excited and they, potentially, it, uh, Vieira could really, I think, could gamble on him and give him a few minutes within the first-team squad. Um, would like I say with all the noises that I'm hearing about him, these guys are going to be a special talent. So probably those two.
5: Yeah, other Reese uh, Adam was was my one. He was absolutely superb, particularly in the in the final. And yeah. um, I'm I've got to mention David Omelabu, Just he, the bloke's cold. Like he's just absolutely lethal in the six yard box. Sorry, eighteen yard box. But the penalty that won the uh, the won the big game. I mean, that's a penalty that you dream of. Top corner. Just top bins, I believe, the youngsters call it. <laughs> um, uh, no, absolutely ice. And if, the thing is, if we didn't have the desperate need to kind of supplement the squad numbers, you would think that the sensible move for him would be a very top quality championship loan move or something like that. Yeah. But I don't know. It will depend on the recruitment. But I hope he does get minutes because that guy's ready to play first team football in the top two tiers right now, I would say. Um but it's nice to have the options. It's not, And it's nice that the Palace fans, who did pay attention to the 23s and the 18s throughout last season, but it's nice that we had those glamour moments at the end of the season with the two nights under the lights at Sellhurst.
6: With, with the we young lads... seen is, them up close. With the young lads as well, I, I was chatting to one of my pals, he's an AFC Wimbledon fan, and he said to me that the the new manager that's took over there, he's com- he, like they they promoted him through their club, and he's been to see Crystal Palace and they've had conversations about Sort of linking up, and I wouldn't be against sending some of our younger players on loans to Wimbledon because they could yeah. train with our academy still, and, we, and they'll still be within our environment. <laughs> Monday to Wednesday, possibly they could go yeah. down to w- Wimbledon Thursday, Friday, play first team proper men's football. I think yeah. there's there's links like that we could do possibly with Sutton now they're in the league. That's going to stay Sutton being that's another option, isn't it? Yeah, because you know, I mean, young the younger lads. You don't want to send them on loan to the middle of nowhere where they're isolated from their friends and their family. They're staying locally. And like I say, they can still train at our club for the first half of the week and little things like that will aid their development as well.
2: Yeah. And I think, I mean, we've heard before from the guys as well, that the Vieira is keen on doing that and has done it at previous clubs and you have to imagine that was part of the project he's been sold as well. One of the reasons he's been brought in because he is someone that does like to bridge that gap between first team and academy and we've spent all this money in the academy so it has to be part of the project um, going forward. Guys, we do have more questions. I might have to do a question special next week because I am running out of time so apologies to everyone that sent questions but I'll leave on this final question and I want a one-word answer from the three of you. We'll go Kevin, Jack, Ben. Literally one word and this comes from Crump and it Coffee. simply says, is it coming home? Kevin. Yes. Yes, it is.
1: Oh,
2: Jack? Yes. <laughs> Longy, surely. Absolutely. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> home. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to say as well? Yes, it's coming home. If it was ever going to, this is the year.
5: If, well, I was going to say, if it, if it doesn't this time... Like change the locks because they ain't coming <laughs> back. So, <Yeah. laughs> um, and guys, I tell you what, I tell you what, Gareth
6: Southgate he is one of ours, lads. He is one yes, of yes. ours. Agreed. And he is the main reason England have done so well because that yes. guy, everything he's doing, he's doing for a reason. Playing playing tribute at left back, everyone was butt, like, "Oh, what's he doing?" Yeah. He knows what he's doing, yeah. and, and he he's, is Palace. He is Palace.
5: Yeah, someone to be yeah. proud of. Someone there to you
6: be go. Hundred percent.
2: Guys, it's been a really, really positive episode. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you also to the guys from the NYFC, NYCFC podcast, uh, Forever Podcast, and Julian Lawrence as well. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your questions. Uh, we'll do a special next week or something to answer them. There's been loads. I'm sure, we couldn't get through to all of them, but really, really appreciate it. Thank you to Turn to Home Finance for sponsoring us. And we'll see you again at some point very soon. But in the meantime,
8: au revoir.